Yes, here we go. Another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne. I am your host for today, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I am chatting with Chase Jarvis, who is an award-winning artist, entrepreneur, and one of the most influential photographers of the last decade. He also can now add the title of author to that description with his new book, The Creative Calling. And I have to say, I am just ecstatic to share this conversation because I personally have been following Chase and his work for at least 10 plus years now. And just to see, you know, his evolution, his story, his identity shifting around with all the different projects he's worked on and the people he's interviewed, you can really feel all of this wrapped up beautifully in this new book of his, A Creative Calling. So we, we dive into all of these principles and just a real surreal experience to um, sit down and have a nice chat with someone that you've been following so long. So really hope you enjoy this conversation. And as always, please have the absolute best day yet. All right, Chase, everyone answers the same question to kick off this podcast. I like to start at real light, and that is with who are you or what defines you as a person? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a small little light question, huh? What defines me? Um, well, I think I'm defined by my actions, and uh, to date, my actions are largely around trying to be a, as good a human as I can, uh, and I think part of that is recognizing our ability to create impact in the world. And I spent the first part of my career as a, as a person doing the things that everybody else wanted me to do, um, pursuing the dreams and the suggestions and the whims of the oughts and the shoulds from the universe and from, uh, culture and our parents and career counselor. And then I realized that, wait a minute, I got one crack at this and I might as well do something that I'm passionate and makes me feel connect, passionate about make me feel connected. And a lot of that had to do with recognizing that I was a creator and that creativity was a huge part of my, the reason for being put on this planet. And so I started pursuing that and I pulled in that thread and that made a lot of good things in my life start happening. And to date, um, my, uh, I guess if there's two arcs to life, the first arc is about acquiring, acquiring skills, acquiring knowledge, acquiring peers and friends and knowledge about ourselves. Uh, I, I feel like I'm entering the second recently, I guess about five years ago, I entered the second part of my career, which is trying to get back. And, hmm. uh, that's been very much around building platforms and tools, um, trying to in inspire others to tap into this vein that I managed to tap into. Uh, and that led to creating, you know, an iPhone app that was app of the year in 2009 created uh, creative live, which is where 10 million photographers and designers and creators and entrepreneurs learn skills. And this book that, uh, is, is just dropped creative calling is my sort of next contribution to that. So longer answer than you wanted. No, great. I start that way just to avoid, um, job titles. So it's, yeah. it's perfect. It's, it's great to, to, to hear the track. And it, you, what's funny is usually by the end of these, these interviews, uh, everything circles right back to all those kind of core values and principles. So thanks for humoring on that. Yeah. What are we, if we're not the things that we've learned to stand for 
And so, yeah, man. And, and you know what? It brings me, a, it gives me a ton of energy. Like that's a thing that I think is, uh, you know, as I look back and looked at the work that I wanted to put out in the world and that I wanted to connect with others, it was around like things that make our heart sing and, and are good for both us and the universe and yeah. our peers and friends. And imagine what a world it could be if we were all had the good fortune of being able to tap into the things that, that, um, you know, gave us energy and gave us vitality. And that's part of the reason I wrote the book. So, yeah, totally. Well, the thing that, that I'm really pumped about with the book is just, you know, there's, there's, there's so many ways you can go at creativity and, you know, at least from what I'm seeing, I love the idea of, of how you're bringing this into like, this is your life, right? I think there's a line in there. The end goal isn't the creation of a masterpiece. It's making a masterpiece of your life. And it's not just about, you know, how do you fire up creativity on Friday or something when you need it? It's, you know, it's, it's built into the practices and the habits and the routines that, that you're setting up, you know, setting up in your life. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I know you're, you're pretty dialed into, you know, inner work and, and, you know, morning routines and all that stuff. Like where, I guess, where did the book come from? Oh man. Um, where did the book come from? It came from a long and winding path that I sort of hinted at in your first question which is as humans, we are programmed from a very early age. And if you ask a first grade classroom, Hey, who wants to come to the front of the room and draw me a picture? You know, how many hands goes up? Every single hand goes up and that's not an accident because creativity is this super foundational thing about being a human. It's one of the things that differentiates us from all the other species on the planet. And and it's not just creativity, not just being art. Creativity is like anything that's connecting two ideas and putting them together in new and novel ways. And we do that a thousand times a day. We do that when we cook a meal, when we, you know, drive to work, when we certainly when we take a picture with our phone, but also when we're thinking about building a family and, and, you know, making a meal and making a cake, all these things have this foundational layer of creativity. So I started looking at it as like, wait a minute, how foundational is that? And why is that something that we don't talk about on a regular basis? Yeah. You know, we are taught that creativity equals art and that art is whimsical and spurious and, um, and to pursue it is naive. But the reality is if creativity with the capital C is really, uh, the foundation for navigating who we are. And if creating things and baking a cake and building a business or writing code, are the ways that we connect in with creativity in small ways every day. Wait a minute. That's just like building a muscle Yeah. and knowing that creativity is innate in everybody realizing that creativity is a muscle that you can strengthen. It's a habit. It's not a skill. And then wait, the, the, the creating of small things every day, those are the same muscles that we use to create our life. It's just creativity at a different scale. To me, that was an idea that wasn't about an internet video. It wasn't about any of the other things that I had experienced as a creator. Um, I needed to find a way to package that. And having lived that, you know, that arc personally, mm -hmm. especially in the face of everyone else telling us that creativity is this whimsical thing that you'd be naive to pursue. No, no, no. It's literally the most practical habit that you can have is to strengthen your creativity. And I did that as a career. 
after you know fleeing all the other stuff that everybody all the other scripts that everyone else had written for me and you know started building tools for creators as i said before that iphone app that went on to be app of the year in 2009 creative live i knew that it had to be a different package because this idea was a bigger package and it also needed to be something that pop culture was really used to consuming and to me the, the perfect vehicle was a book and as soon as i started thinking about this a number of years ago um, the idea couldn't leave, like the idea would knock it out of my head, despite not wanting to have it be a book. <laughs> I'm not naturally uh, a writer, although I wrote in graduate school a lot. I was in a PhD program and, and I've written thousands of blog posts, but, uh, you know, writing the, a, a book was not my first choice, but it was the right medium for the message. And in the research, Mark, this, I think you're, you're going to identify with this, knowing what, how, how you spent your life and what your focus is here. Like you start looking around at the patterns in your life. Wait a minute. So everyone else told me what I was supposed to do and be, you need to go to school and get a job and, you know, look like this and walk like this and talk like this. And then you're like, wait a minute, but the people that I most respect and admire and appreciate and who inspire me, they really, they don't actually do that. That's not their default mode. Their default <laughs> mode is rethinking and changing directions and driving their own bus and writing their own script. And then I started, you know, looking at those moments in my life where I was paying attention to too many other inputs and not listening to myself versus when I started paying attention to my intuition and the things that were telling me what I was supposed to be doing with my life and how I wanted to spend my time, then amazing things started happening for me. And not only did it feel good for me, but I started impacting positively the lives of those around me. And then on my podcast, I started talking to hundreds of the top performers in the world and the same thing was true. And so you know, to me, just starting to then galvanize all these ideas, like, all right, I'm putting all this in a book, it needs to be a book. Um, and it's a little bit of a, you know, if I look at the arc of my career, it's a little bit of looking backwards and connecting the dots, like making that leap for myself, realizing that it was not always easy, and that the world, the, the, the world's shoulds and oughts and musts are never going to go away. Let's develop a tool set for navigating them and a, a vision and a mission for both what we can be as individuals and how we can make this a part of our pop culture understanding what it means to be human, then we're on to something that is that that's impact. So, um, the, the book was not a, it was not a linear path. It sort of chose me rather than me choosing it. Totally. So happy to have it out there. It's been a, a labor of love. I've been working on it for years and, um, I can't wait to, for the readers or listeners who are paying attention right now to check it out. It's, um, I think there's some there, there. Yeah, well, it's super unique. I mean, that's what I'm really pumped about. Like, I, I haven't seen really anything like this, it, you know, framed up in, in the way you've done it. So, you know, huge congrats for for following that intuition. Yank, and and Mark, I got to like, that's part of what made me have to write it. Like every book about creativity is like, you must put on the beret and we shall not talk about money or life. It's just got to be pure art. And, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's actually that's creativity with a small c. It's still valuable and we still want to have a creative practice and all these things, but it doesn't have to be like that. And that's not the creativity that I'm interested in summoning. And it's not the, you know, you don't have to move to Paris. You don't have to get a new set of friends. It's natural in every one of us. We just have to look there and see, oh my gosh, it's right here. I have this little, you know, this little uh, reactor, this creative plutonium that's in my <laughs> soul. And when I start to unlock it, what happens? And it just becomes, it becomes... I don't know. It's a, it's such a, I guess my Angelou 
like uh, this is a great quote it's like it's an infinite resource the more you use the more you have yeah i've seen that That, that's a great line well one thing i'd love to touch on that you just brought up again is just like once you can see it and you know relates for me it relates back to that self-awareness and on on this show too i think this is probably i think interview number 138 or something and Every single interview, I would say, or a guess, there's there's a heightened level of self-awareness. And everyone's come to that in different ways. But I'd love to probe you a little bit on some of the things that you're doing so you can hear that intuition and not because we're let, let's face it. I mean, you, you walk out of out of your house and it's we're just slammed with content yeah. and distraction and autopilot is kind of what how I describe it. So there's, you know, you have to do things to come off that people mover in the, in the airport, right? Yeah, that's so true. And I, I, I like the way you describe it. That's in part the way I think about it. Like we're programmed with all these messages and even messages early as a kid, I have this really horrible memory of, I was in second grade and Miss Kelly it was a student teacher conference and I loved like performing in front of my class and doing magic tricks. And I had a comic book strip that I did that I distributed and passed it to all the kids. And, and my second grade teacher told my mom that Chase is so much better at sports than he is at art. Oh. And I overheard that, you know, this is like a subtle, whatever Miss Kelly didn't intend. And just, I yeah. remember what it did to me. It, like it made me go, Oh, and I wasn't like, I just, as young people and not even necessarily as young people, as humans, we're social animals. We just want to fit in and connect. And so you like, you do what you get rewards for. And so I just realized that, all right, I'm going to go do sports then. And I'm not, not going to do other things, but I'm going to identify as an athlete. And, and boy, if I'm getting pats on the back for doing, you know, being athletic, then that's where my energy is going to go. And it, it resulted in, you know, basically me walking away from that for, a decade or two of my life. And I look backwards and like, Oh my gosh. And as you talk about it, getting off the people mover, if we can be, if our lives can be that transformed by just a little nudge and not even intentional from my second grade teacher, imagine for the people that are actually trying to steer us. And sometimes these are people that we love that care about us deeply and are afraid to see us venture out and experiment and try things new or do heaven forbid anything other than what's right down the middle and what culture votes is appropriate. Um, you know, and, and so to circle back to your question, like I, there's, yes, there's an, uh, a sense of awareness, but it's more a sense of, of urgency and agency that we have to take over our lives. And it's not like there's a puppet master who's saying, well, you're going to do this and I'm going to get you to work at the factory and you're going to sit in a cubicle and you're going to, it's like, uh, there's no, that's not happening, but that's actually what culture does accidentally. It's meant to create average results. It's meant to create average people, average average outcomes, because that's what culture can manage. And it's not malevolent, but that's the being a product of, of a a mass culture as we are, if you're listening to this podcast. So you have to actively program and remind yourself that you have agency. And that's why like literally playing the piano or, or, you know, cooking meals on the regular or playing the guitar actually makes you a better coder or a better surgeon or a better mother. Like it, it it literally rewires your brains in way, in, in a way that, that, you don't get without that awareness. And that's part of, you know, you, you raised the point of awareness, like that's 
the first step of this book is recognizing that everyone is creative and that includes you. And even if you're told from an early age, as I was as a second grader, or my mom was her whole life, when I put an iPhone in it and my app in her hand when she was 65, she went from not thinking she was creative to one of the most creative of her, all of her friends. It completely transformed her life, changed how she cooked, changed her travel habits, changed these are just from small daily actions. It's not similar to working out. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I appreciate and subscribe. And to me, this is exciting. Like there's a, there's an element of like, wait a minute. So you mean I haven't been sort of, pursuing the things because culture talked me out of them. And it's, it's fine. Like I'm coming at this from, I did so like, I didn't find this out until I was in my, you know, mid twenties. And even then it was confusing for me. And I've basically made all the mistakes you can. I in, did what everybody else wanted, incurred the huge student debt, um, pursued other, like lost decades of my life. And only to sort of realize that, wait a minute, we got one shot. So there's this urgency and necessity around claiming our agency and creativity is the thing, you know, this gets couched in personal growth or development or self-help, or I've just chosen to couch it in creativity because it's the most fundamental thing that we can practice. And when you realize it's the same muscles, it opens up a huge, huge spectrum of possibility. Totally. I mean, you're, you're definitely going bold with the statement for the book and, and I love it. I mean, I think it's, it's the only way to do it. It's, uh, it's great. It's practical. You know, that's the part that, that we're told that it's whimsical and it's like, it's maybe even naive to pursue it. And I'm not saying everyone has to have a creative, uh, an art career. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But there's different levels, right? I, I'd imagine of creativity, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's why it's easy for me to get fired up and <laughs> like the book is crazy controversial, but it's certainly, you know, these other books that have come before it are, are, are couched in, in sort of like this highfalutin sort of nose in the air. I am the artiste and it doesn't have to be that way because that's not, it's not really what it is. That's a, a small subset of creativity. And it's not the one I'm necessarily talking about here. Yeah, totally. Well, let, let's get a bit tactical because I mean, you, it, it's not like, it's not like you're sitting around saying, oh, there's nothing left to do at Creative Live and <laughs> I'm just going to bang out a book, um, you know, during my free time, you're traveling a lot. So, I mean, I guess my, my question is centered around how'd you do it mm. and, and how can, how can others you know, that, and, and this is something you've talked about in the past, just that live this multi-hyphenated life, right? You know, we're all doing a few things and things like that. So, so how did you pull it off? Every, well, I can use my example, like my, my own life, cause I know it well, but I think what's important is, you know, in deconstructing the lives of my friends and peers and people I admire, I've had on the podcast, the, the world's top creators and entrepreneurs, right? The the Richard Branson's, the Brene Brown's, the Tim Ferriss's or whoever you look up to. And there's this really consistent mantra of, I guess it sort of falls into two categories. One is action over intellect. Like there's there, you're actually taking steps in the world to pursue your curiosity, to be willing to be misunderstood um, 
for long periods of time. And that's also Jeff Bezos, right? That's how Amazon became Amazon is be, no one got it for the first 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just found that pattern to be true for so many of my friends and peers and people that I respect. And so if, if action over into like, you're, you're, you're basically, you're not going to think your way out of anything. You have to take a step, you know, and it's not, just one step and you don't have to see the whole flight of stairs, but you have to keep moving. It's sort of like trying to ride a bike by standing still. It's the momentum and the direction that actually gives you the ability to navigate, you know, try and turn on a bike when you're standing still. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Great example. And, and, and so to me, that's one thing. And then the second, again, these are common traits of people who've managed to, to navigate it, whether you're talking about me or anybody else. And that is, everyone, there's this pattern of starting way before you're ready. Because if you wait to, to when you're ready, whatever that magical R word is supposed to be, that is just actually delaying the thing that you could be starting. It's delaying your agency. And even if it's, you know, these actions are always small and imperfect. And what's I think critical to me is, is to my story rather is, so many imperfect actions, as I mentioned, just a couple of them, you know, I, I built a, that iPhone app that was the first photo app to share photos to social networks, this old idea of filters, you could add a pic, take a picture, add a cool effect and then share it direct to social networks it ended up being a, a pretty big deal. And I got, I got my ass kicked. I was years ahead of Instagram, year and a half ahead of Instagram and you know, they threw $50 million that would kick my ass. That didn't mean that I wasn't, I shouldn't have started the project because I still, I learned a ton. It helped me understand that technology could scale creativity. It got me into the technology scene as a creator. It, you know, just opened so many doors despite it being a failure. There's, there's sort of nothing more than I hate than books that come from like this special place where if you just did this perfectly and this perfectly and this perfectly, then you have this other perfect outcome. And that's not how life is. You know, life is messy. And at the end of the day, if you are not unwilling to disappoint a few people along the way for the, at the cost of your own happiness, like then what have you done? And and right now there's someone sitting at home in their underwear in Ohio listening to this podcast saying, yeah, but I've got a mortgage. I've got X number of kids. I've got all these constraints and it's not doable. You know, that's part of why I wrote the book, because I think there's a I think there's a path through all of those things. And it's not about cashing in all your chips. It's not about putting it all on black. It's not a, none of those things are true about the path. Um, and uh, so that's a, a less tactical. If, if I, I if I get tactical, if that's your request, it's start before you start. It's there's a series of habits that I think boost creativity. And there are a series of things that zap your creativity. Um, I think looking at the work of others, learning how to deconstruct it, and then most importantly, find out what your personal voice is. These are all practices. That's why, you know, sure. the subtitle of the book is, is, you know, establish a daily practice. This doesn't mean you're dragging out your watercolors every day. You know, it's, <laughs> sure, all, all those things help, but this is really about awareness and, and small small regular steps that remind you that you have these muscles and that, you know, you, you have an, an immense amount of agency to create not just an art project or a book or a meal, 
but your freaking life. Well, yeah, because you can you can plug and play whatever you're you're trying to put out there, and as long as you you fit in or prioritize the time, I guess that's kind of what I was what I was going for is, sure. you know, given you know when you're traveling and, and you have all these other commitments, sure. is it yeah. is it waking up early and you're gonna pound out ten yeah. pages or yeah? Or, well, let's talk about the book. Like that's exactly so. This is this irony will not be lost on anyone. So. I, the book came at a, uh, like it, I didn't choose when this book had to be written. It chose me and I'd been thinking about it and talking to my agent for a long time. And like, wow, that's a cool idea. We should really get something. And then it's like, and I stepped into it and then stepped back a couple of times over the course of the previous few years. And then at some point, like two years ago, I was like, Steve, I got to do this. I, it's like, I got to get it out. It's in me. It's eating me. <laughs> and, and again, it's amidst, amidst all the other stuff that we all have like busy life. I have, you know, creative live is 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 there's a ton of ton of work there and uh and i still um identify as a creator and i'm a husband and a friend and all the other things that you know identities that we all carry and it was not lost on me that i was able to go through all these notes and my notes were the things that helped me kick my ass and get me get me to do the work honestly okay and it really was at 5 a.m you know, that's when so much of this work was done and, or on the weekends or, um, it, it, it's when you're writing a book about creativity and you're blocked, you kind of have to take your own advice back like 40 pages and read what I'd just written or flip through my file cabinet here and look at these notes that I had and references. And it's just like, Oh my God, you know, it's start before you're ready the, you know, the, what's the, the, um, Glenn close quote, something about like amateurs wait for inspiration pros, they go to work, you know, it's like, totally. it's on, and, and it was very mechanical. It was very much about a process. And that's part of why I think that, you know, creativity as a habit and a practice, even if it's five minutes a day, even if it starts with morning pages, meditation, um, like there's a handful of habits that of course I, I used, but it really was like I didn't have to stop the life that I was living and, you know, do a 180. It was a, I found a way to put, you know, the book stuff in a place in my day on a regular basis that allowed me to do as Anne Lamott in Bird by Bird says, the only way you get this is by creating, by, the only way you get a book is by creating a bunch of shitty first drafts. And it just so happened that if you have a thousand shitty first drafts, then you have 500 okay second drafts and 250 okay third passes and then you know in there there's 150 200 really good pages and that's that was the process it was very very tactical and the same thing goes for basically anything if you're trying to again write a write an app or or start a business um you know this is the magic of the future of employment and and side hustles right yeah we used to have and our parents had one job, we're going to have five. The next generation is going to have five at the same time. And if you don't think that creativity is going to play an important role in building your living and your life, and that part of those need to be things that really energize you, even if you have a nine to five that is neutral or drains you, boy, you know, let's like, this is a process. It's not a, you don't have to be a cork in the tide. It it just makes me think of um I don't know if you if you know of the guys from the buried life. Um 
the uh, Ben Nimpton and, and whatnot, and they, they set out to create uh, basically a bucket list. This, this was a while back, maybe 10 years ago, and it was like, play play basketball, President Obama, get on top of things like that. Yeah. So Ben is is, is speaking about this kind of around the, the circuit as well. And it's just what the reason I'm bringing this up is because he, he brings up a stat of that, you know, people that are on their deathbed and it's, it's, it's shocking. I, I think it's 80 plus percent. The one thing that they say it's, you know, they have regrets that they're, they're dying, leaving things on the table. And it, it just made, it made me think when you're, you're, you're describing all of this, it's just, you know, you've got one shot, go and, and just, yeah. you know, it really, it really is. And to echo Ben and, and what you just said, like, not only are it, is regrets something that I think, as you said, it's in the eighties, but the number one, and this is, uh, I don't have the study here, so be careful. I'm citing statistics. Right. <laughs> the number one, what I understand, the number one regret is that the lives and opinions of others that we let those guide this one precious life that we have oh. unnecessarily. And, yeah. you know, that's part of like the acknowledging that this is a rickety, imperfect universe. And that of course, the people who are closest to us that we love and love us, their goal is not to get you to take a bunch of risks, right? Their no. goal is to you know, do whatever gets you safe and happy and allows you to have a life that is maybe like the one that they had and that you're not going to put your neck out there too far because they wouldn't want you to get hurt. And, and yet, go back to the paradigm we talked about earlier when we're alone staring at three in the morning at the ceiling, thinking about what we could be doing with our life that we're not. It's rarely the thing that is programmed into us by all those other external inputs. We are inspired by lives that are different and myriad and, um, and largely sort of self-driven and not that path. And the fact that there's these cultural narratives that tell you that it's safe to do this thing and risky to do the other thing, uh, you know, I think now is the riskiest time in human history to play it safe. What used to be safe, that's no more than, no, it's just an illusion. Yeah, it's terrifying. You're right. Yeah. And when you go back to Ben's story, when you're doing the things that are, make your heart sing and you come alive, like that is where you get energy. That is, that creates and cultivates vitality. And that is, not only does it add, you know, the science is clear too, like it's way better for your health and your biochemistry and all that stuff. But what happens when you're around people that are doing like what they love and it doesn't, it's not about making money. Like let's just disconnect from that. Although you tend to make more money if you're doing things you're passionate about, but you've been around these people. What is it like? It's inspiring as hell. And it's like you, you, the rising floats. tide. Yeah. It floats floating these other boats and, and what, imagine the power of that you can smell it on these people who are passionate about what they do to me that's a, that is where we want to be and that is the opposite of that regret that ben was talking about yeah no absolutely um chase as i'm going to start wrapping up just to respect your time but i definitely have to get for for this audience because uh, we're all about mental fitness and pulling some of the practices and different things that you're doing to you know i'll frame it up as because you've had Scott uh, Belsky on your show a couple times and, yeah. and just, you know, how do you get through those messy middles? I mean, you've gone through a lot of different projects and um, identities essentially, right. Uh, as you're, you're shifting through life. 
um, even Creative Live. It's it's crazy to think that it's what it's nine years old now. It feels yeah. like kind of just yesterday, even on this side. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are some of the things that in your daily habits that you really attribute to helping you get through those lows when when they inevitably will come up? Mm. Um, Besides ice baths, yeah, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's fun to throw darts at that stuff, but those the, there's a lot of really small things that are that are, I think, related to mental health and related to personal vision and clarity and how do you program your mindset such that you know the the inputs from the world don't get you off off track and i think um liz gilbert she's i don't know if you know her work she's a friend and she's wrote the book yeah. i had her on had her on my show before wrote eat pray love you know whatever julie roberts played her in a film and she's written big magic and a new book called city of girls she's just an amazing writer she said something really inspirational to me once she said my number one job is my mental health that's my primary occupation my secondary occupation then i'm a writer Interesting. And, i remember that yeah, you had her on recently right yeah so much yeah. self-care involved and i do think that the mindset is and this is not just being stubborn. This is being open and empathetic and connected. Again, we're social animals. And, you know, to, to go back to Belsky, like I think Scott would, would remind us right here. If he was, if he was sitting around the couches with us, that the middle is supposed to be messy. Yeah. If it was easy, you know, if it was a straight line, it would be easy. And if it would be easy, it wouldn't be worthwhile. And so it's, how do you manage those? It's not, the goal isn't to avoid pitfalls. The goal is to recover quickly from them and, and create a culture, create a mindset and a life of resiliency where, you know, you get to experience the range of emotions. I mean, go back to what I mentioned earlier about society and culture that's meant to keep you safe and simple and in the middle and average, but that's not where the best stuff is, right? The best stuff is on yeah. the other side of fear. You know, it's the saying like, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for, nor are humans. Like we're not supposed to be, we have a biology that tries to keep us safe. And for everyone who's hearing this and saying, Oh my God, he's talking to me. I'm playing it safe. And, and here's all these reasons I should, I'm, I'm not doing this stuff. And I'm, here's my justifications. Yeah, that I get it. And that's part of the process. And the book explains that and walks us through acknowledging that, we've got a 2 million year old organ in our skull and it's not there to keep us happy. It's there to keep us safe. So overcoming your biology and listening to these words that are in your head, it's, it's the brain. It's not your brain. It's an organ. And yeah. what if you started using your whole body? And we know that the body has intelligence. So I do things and I try and take, you know, daily steps through programming my men mental health, through visualization, through mindfulness and meditation. Um, things like you, you, we joked about the cold bath, but oh, they work. Day, I'm like, I just, I, if I sit up, I can see my, I've got one outside. I've got a hot, uh, a hot tub and a cold plunge. And I do every single morning. I was in that thing at 6am. And that's just a reminder. Not it's, of course, there's all these health benefits, immune system, inflammation, but you know what? It's just, it's a good practice of getting uncomfortable. 
Mm-hmm. I get comfortable every morning because there's not one morning you're like, you know what? I can't <laughs> wait to jump in that 50, 50 degree water. I can't wait. Yeah. Sign me up. To do that. <laughs> so, you know, and these are, these are tools that are at our fingertips in, you know, in, in popular culture, in our day-to-day lives that are free or cheap and that can help us navigate the messy middle and the the distance between where we are today and where we want to be. How are you using visualization, Chase? I'm just, uh, that's something I use as well, but um, mm-hmm. I'm always curious to see how others are, are leveraging that. Yeah. Oh, um, I first tapped into visualization as a young person. Um, go back to my second grade teacher, Miss Kelly, telling me that I needed to pursue sports instead of art. Um, and I did that. And I found success. I was indeed a good athlete. And early on, um, I, I got hooked up with some sports psychologists. I was on the Olympic development soccer team. There's a pool of players and in, in, in non-Olympic years. And actually I think it's, yeah, it's all years. And you know, we got access to, um, some psychologists that helped us visualize. And then I had another coach a little bit later in my career and, I just found it super powerful. And in a sense, it was that your, your neurology doesn't know the difference between reality and a a, a visualization of a reality, especially the more senses that you incorporate. And so I had some really freaky experiences of like experiencing things before I experienced them. And then they came true and that had to do with scoring goals and, you know, winning championships or, or not. And so it was easy for me to, to remember how powerful that was in my younger years. And then as an adult, especially when you're trying to do something hard in this case, trying to go against the, the plans that everybody else has for you to pursue the thing that you make, you know, makes your heart sing. You know, I started using visualization, um, in that sense and seeing the outcomes that I wanted seeing myself as a, as a photographer. I mean, I even made business cards that, said Chase Jarvis photographer when I had nothing more than a snapshot <laughs> and, and, you know, to my name. And, and it's because I knew, I knew that it was something that I wanted for myself. And so, yeah, I would say usually that on a tactical level, I, I visualize for, uh, I'd say three to five minutes. I chronicle this in the book. I talk about how I, how I visualize. Um, and it's usually right after meditation practice but there's a hundred ways to do this. I don't want to be prescriptive. Um, but you know, genuinely visualization and seeing the world the way I want to see it before it's actually on my plate is, it's been a very powerful experience for me. And and the same for others. Like, again, I'm trying to have deconstructed my own pitfalls and, you know, the stuff that worked and the stuff that didn't and tried to put all that information in a book, it's, but it's not just me. It's this, this pattern that, again, I recognize from other top performers. So, No, and I, and I appreciate you sharing the details because uh, that's the whole point of, of this show. It's like, you know, I'm not interviewing uh, a ton of yoga instructors and meditation coaches. It's just people of all walks of life that are all doing these practices. And, you know, that one thing that you just shared might be the the thing for someone listening right say oh i resonate with that i can try that out and and you know how powerful these practices are so yeah I and appreciate it. thank you and there's but like i'm also trying to normalize this i'm and i'm trying to put creativity and uh, on the same level as 
you know, as mindfulness and, or as nutrition and exercise, because it's, uh, to me, it's that fundamental. And to, to try and um, get away from the idea that you like, that creativity is this weird thing for a select few that has only to do with art and, and, you know, the same could be said for, for mindfulness or meditation or visualization. Like, you yeah. take away, take away the stigma and the labels and say, no, no, this is just practical as hell. And we can learn from the top performers in anything. Just look at what's similar to their across any discipline and apply it to regular everyday life. And then it's just like a, it's like a catapult. It just makes everything richer and, and, um, more rewarding and, and more full of vitality and joy. Like that's what this is about. Right. I think if you're yeah. the sum of your thoughts, because that's where your happiness is, right? <laughs> then you might as well work extra hard at making your thoughts good, making your experience here powerful and ideally beyond just what it does for you, but impacting the people in the world around you. Amazing, sir. I can't think of a better way to wrap this one up. Um, I definitely want to thank you personally. I, we chatted a little bit before the before I hit record. A lot of what's going on on this podcast and the app is, um, whether you know it or not, it stems back 10 plus years because of a lot of the work you're doing. So huge ripple effect there. And, I you know, it. love it. Thank you so much for saying that. It means the world to me. Absolutely. And I was just going to say, you know, huge thanks for everyone listening and everyone you're, you're touching around the world. I mean, it's um, going through the messy middles over and over again, um, creating awesome, awesome, you know, really impactful work. So huge thanks from everyone and enjoy this whole process of the launch. Oh man. Thank you. And I'm just, I'm grateful for, um, for the support of you and your community. And now we've, we've been corresponding online for a long time, literally years. And we have a lot of mutual <laughs> friends and, and it's just wonderful to connect with you in the community. I've, um, admired what you've been building, uh, for a long time and it's just, it's fun to tap into it. And just want to say thanks to anyone who checks out the book. I, I, I believe deeply in it, of course. Um, and I, I hope it's a fresh take that will give you, uh, not just inspiration, but a, a, a a roadmap on uh, how to tap into what you're supposed to be doing in life and how to get where you want to go. Highly recommend it. We'll have everything linked up in the show notes as per usual. Awesome. Thanks again, everybody in the community. Appreciate being in your ears today. Thanks for having me on the show, Mark. Mark.